Hey friends, this is Allison Steele, and you're listening to Unravel with Allison, a show where I take a concept that's got me in knots, and we unravel it together. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hey y'all, today is a fun little episode. This is actually the first podcast that I ever recorded. I shared it with a small group when I first did it. I was very intimidated about the idea of sharing my thoughts on the Bible. It's a short episode, and I reference the Gospel of John, first chapter, lines 1 through 11. This has been a fun exploration, and I might do more of these because every time I read more of the Bible, I just have so many new ideas, new ideas about how to apply it to our everyday life, to embody the cool parts, to recognize the kind of crummy parts, and how to make sense of it in the world we live in today. Check it out. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through Him, and without Him nothing came to be. What came to be through Him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'll pause here. I think that we have a misunderstanding of what this actually means. And I say we because I know what I've learned in church and what is meant and how this is supposed to be interpreted based on how it's presented, but I respectfully disagree. Instead, I think of when I had my first kid in the very beginning of her life. She was just this precious little perfect thing full of so much potential, and I wanted nothing more in the world than to give her everything she ever needs to succeed in life. And I had no thought process of what that actually meant, like a 401k or, you know, making sure she was set up for college, that kind of thing. I just wanted to keep her perfect because she was so freaking perfect. Nothing except that moment mattered. And I think that that is the word. That's the concept. That's the resonance that I have with the energy of the word that everybody speaks of, this powerful access to perfection. It's just actually love. You're holding this kid and you're like, holy smokes, what is next? How can we sustain this? Because it's perfect. That is God's love. That's a parent's love. That is what the father has to offer and what the son provides. And we do that for each other so often in so many little ways. And just with our perspective, it often gets missed. Reading through John, I have a feeling that this is the whole entire concept is that we have access to this love. And if we choose in our micro actions, we can actually share this on a macro level. Like we all have access to it. We can all sustain it without wondering how, as long as we just do it. Creation. The very first thing you're dipped into on this planet is the frequency of love. When we look back on our lives and think of what actually makes us happy, it is, it's all those little moments, those precious, perfect little impressions in our heart that we revisit and smile. It's a frequency of love. We always want that back. It's the best place to be, and that's why we all want to go back. We all say we want to be happy or we want to feel better, but this is the high that we're actually chasing, is happiness. And we tell ourselves day in and day out, you know, that it comes in waves and it's fleeting and enjoy it while you have it and find it in little ways in your life. But we don't realize what actually doing that brings us. When we do that, it's like we put ourselves out into the world, have faith in humanity, and then it's reflected right back upon us. And when you're like hit a reflection with a mirror, like that light is so much brighter than what you have to offer, but you still have access to it. And it's not because anybody's better than you. It's because you're doing it with somebody. 
And in that partnership, like you create this magnitude of light. Like you have, you can't do it alone. And you want to preserve that moment. It is not because this kid is perfect. And it is not because you are imperfect and you're going to mess it up. It's because you have this connection with each other, through each other, always and forever, but especially right freaking now. Like right in that moment, staring into their chubby little face, like, oh, it feels good. It feels great. And you have access to that all the time. It doesn't have to be in waves and in moments. You can tell yourself that and keep yourself from it, but you just don't have to. Try it out, maybe. See what it looks like in little ways. Find something that gets on your nerves and find the cool part about it. You know, I hate watching football. It does not entertain me. I don't get the sport. I'm not really interested in the statistics behind it or really anything that it has to offer. But then when I watch the Super Bowl and they do these little clips beforehand, a neat little package about the quarterback of each team and how cute everything is and their little families. And I'm just like, oh, can everybody win? Because like, I want to watch this game now. I'm excited that they care about it so much. And like, what a big deal the Super Bowl is for this dude in particular. Like, I can't wait to watch it. How exciting. Like now I get to be a part of something that I didn't even care about after 15 minutes. Now I get to actually enjoy the next couple hours that I'm gonna have to sit in front of this TV. I don't have to anymore, I get to. How fun. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be known through him, but the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his people did not accept him. I'll pause here. Testimony is yucky. To have to plead your case, all of the words and feelings that we put into those, like that vernacular, it's gross. I actually just want to break the words down, literally break the words down in the letters and try to get a visualization for what's actually what's actually happening here. When somebody doesn't believe you, they require a testimony so you can answer their question. They have a question and they have an answer and they expect you to fill in the blanks. Like, we saw this, we have a conclusion. You have the observation. So in like the scientific method, there's observation, hypothesis, experimentation, analysis, and conclusion. The testimony is not the conclusion. The preconceived notion of whatever is to be, whatever you're expected to testify on behalf of, that is the conclusion. So there's this Jeopardy scenario where it's like they have the question and they have the answer. So it's like, what are you here for? Like you're playing your own game. The answer isn't actually the point, but John's here for it, you know? Let's testify and let me try to show you instead of tell you what's really going on here. When we think of the word testify in relation to a question and observation analysis, the whole process of our scientific method, it reveals itself right there. Testify. You have to answer this question through a test based on your memory that you didn't even anticipate. So your brain doesn't actually really know how to like file that category. All you can do is resonate with the experience, remember what happened, remember what it felt like to be there, try to remember the words that were said, whatever. But you only have your memory to go off of and now you're trying to fit it into that system that may not actually get the point across, but your point of what happened is different from the answer that they seek, which is just confirmation in their questioning and their assumptions of reality. So you ask yourself, 
hmm, how can I prove this or disprove this? What would be a test to prove such thing? You could probably come up with some ideas and then factor them into your experience. Like, okay, this would be a good example, like a good way to test. If everybody likes this pie, it's safe to say it's a good pie. So what did everybody else do? What did everybody else think? What did everybody else say? And how does that factor in to this Q&A that we're wrapped up in? Does it count as a test if I tell them about the time that we all went to the park together and this happened? Like we break the words down for testimony to testify. Does it count as a test if I? That is all you're actually offering up. It's not real observation. It's still part of the gimmick, the Q&A, the, the need for understanding. When the understanding comes through the experience of having lived it, having been there and having that resonance with it. And if you don't have access to those memories or that resonance, then you need to make that personal connection with the person in front of you and listen to what they actually have to say. And they can tell you what their questions were and what their answers were. And they're probably way more profound than what you have to offer. And I say that because it doesn't come from a place of understanding. It comes from a place of questioning. You understand so much more when you you have firsthand experience of whatever the thing is. It's easier and more fun to learn with other people who are passionate about what they're doing than by checking off boxes. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. We try to do what's right for ourselves in regards for other people, but you're not going to be able to please everybody. The most important person for you to please is yourself, because like when you have your oxygen mask on first, you're actually capable of helping others. In this little rat race that we're playing, it's everybody needs an oxygen mask. Where are they? And it's like they're right above your head, but you can't you're not well. You can't see the opportunities around you. You can only see what you're missing. And if nobody has their masks, then what chaos? That is absurd. There's no structure and order and everybody is unsafe. It's a scary place to be to not have faith in humanity, to not feel like somebody who's supposed to provide for you is not providing for you, especially when you've done your part. But when you have those expectations of another and they're just not capable of doing it for whatever reason, like maybe they're just having a really crappy week and they just can't right now. And it has nothing to do with you. It doesn't say anything about you as a person. All it says is that they can't. Pick up the slack where you can, if you can, and if not, then figure it out together later. But don't make it worse for each other. Just believe everybody without having to understand what's going on. If somebody says, I can't do this right now, be like, yo, bro, don't. Don't do this right now. Take a break. Revisit it when you have clarity. Because the more time that you spend in that darkness, it just feels like you have to claw your way out. But all you have to do is turn on the light. It's a very quick, swift motion to fall back into this love when you catch it early. And when you catch it late, There's been so much extra dust that falls on you that you forget you have access to. Like, you know, you're feeling lazy and you're not moving your body. So your body hurts more when you do have to move it. So now you don't even want to move it because it hurts. Whereas like if you just did the thing and moved your body, took a walk around the block, like you would feel better. And when you start to feel crappy in your little moments, like, oh man, I cannot sit in this chair any longer. Straight up, don't. Get up. Take a walk around the block. Like... Put yourself in situations where you can control something. What you're controlling is you. 
you don't have to worry about controlling others or doing anything else because it just you only have the ability to respond to your surroundings that's your only responsibility that's the only thing you're able to respond to so if you're worried about the responsibilities of life just try to zoom out focus on the micro level of what's the next best thing i can do and do it in light of what you want to come out of it not if i do this then i get that that's not the true manifestation journey <laughs> yes do the things with good intention and with a good heart and with excitement for the future if you want to drive a red car put it on a vision board and love it go ahead but also like every time you see a red car even if it's like a shitty honda go ahead and be like i i see you you're on your way too like that's how we do this we have to love every little bit of it to get the big bit of it. Because by the time, like, if it is just zero and a hundred and that's all you're doing, then you will only have once in a lifetime moments. Like you will only, it's so sad to think that like people follow their heart and finally do the thing. And when they're there, they're immersed. And when they step away, they're like, why is this gone? This was supposed to change my life. Why do I still feel crappy? Well, it's because you're not taking a walk. <laughs> You're not carrying it with you. Like you're letting it weigh on you. You have to shake this energy out. If you can think of your personal energy like a value exchange, like everything you do actually matters as far as manifestation works, like you can make things happen for real. There's a different resonance to that than there is like for money. We know how money works. You have to earn money to spend money. Um, and it's like an earn and make, produce this and that. But this type of value is different in that if we think of each action as a deposit, like every time we press a button, we're starting something. Every time we sit down, we're stopping something. Or it does, it's not bad or good. It's just an energetic shift. If we look at that as shifting our energy, then like one, we are just, we move easier when we move more encouraging like actual body movement is just ridiculously important. Like when I feel fussy, I scratch the back of my neck sometimes. I really obviously love to go for walks. Pouting your arms obviously indicates something like that body movement has a resonance and that pouting movement kind of carries you back down into it. So if you just look in the mirror and do like a superhero stance, you're not gonna feel like a superhero, but you're gonna look like an idiot. And if for a second you can like laugh at yourself, you're gonna feel like a superhero real freaking quick. Your body movements teach your mind what to think. And you can override that just by doing any other action. If you ever had like a water jug that you filled up with coins, that's the game that we are playing right now. We are in this constant state of fill it, fill it, fill the cup, fill the cup, fill the cup, fill the cup. Because um, I want to fill the cup and it will look cool when it's done. You can have like somebody in your house help you fill it. We fill it and have our moment and then we keep it in this jar and we don't carry it with us. Why would you carry that jug? One, it's too heavy, it's dense. Two, like the moments are actually still in your heart. So I don't have to actually carry that jug with me. Like I still am looking forward to the concert that this is gonna buy me or still appreciate the work that I did and how I got to hang out with the coworkers that I actually liked for most of those shifts, like how cool. So we still value this thing and we're still playing this game. The game isn't even the point anymore, but we still keep putting our coins into these systems that no longer serve us. Like, can we do watercolor? or like something way cooler, create something new, less dense, something we can share with each other that has inherent 
differential value that we can explore and appreciate together instead of looking at another person of like, what can you give me? What can I get out of you? Look at everybody as an opportunity. Like there's something that you love and you straight up don't get to talk about it. Somebody's going to be so excited to talk to you about that thing one day and you guys can talk for hours. And with whatever problem that you have, there's somebody that has an answer and who's really jazzed about their answer and actually like created a life around the answer. And now you have resources and all because you like made eye contact at a Kroger. You don't have to figure out your problems. You have to make eye contact with other human beings. You have to start doing, because we are inherently being, you have to start doing to initiate this value exchange. And it's worth it. It's worth every cent. And you can tell through your senses. Every time your heart races, are you scared or excited? Can you try to lean towards excited? If not, find safety in eye contact. If you don't feel safe, find safety in another. I tell my daughter if she gets lost, if we get separated in public, I tell her to find a parent. I tell her to look for moms. I just know that I'm a mom and I don't want to lose my kids. And I know that if a kid showed up, and I don't know this, I'm telling you that on more than one occasion, I have seen a kid looking freaking terrified and I will go love them and figure out what is wrong and find their mom and dad. And I've done this on more than one occasion because it's the right thing to do. And any parent will probably do the exact same. If you are in an environment that isn't safe for you and you see this and you're like, oh, this is a setup, this is something or another, you can take passive action. You can sit nearby and watch the scenario play out. You can watch this kid cry and wait for somebody to help them. And you can still hold space for that person in that moment and protect yourself. And it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be hard, it's hard to sit back and watch. It's hard to let it be somebody else's problem when it feels like you're a solution. But if you can maintain safety from a distance and still make sure that this person is okay, or maybe reach out to security and have them have them come through and initiate. Cause maybe it isn't, maybe it's not yours to take on and that's okay too. But if there's a part of you that feels like, oh gosh, I need to do something and you don't have an answer or you feel scared, I swear to you, there is another person in this room that feels the exact same way that you do. Tell yourself to find safety and make eye contact with somebody. And just in that moment, take a deep breath and realize that we're all playing the same game right now. And this level sucks, but you don't downgrade. You don't go back to an old level. You can replay old levels for fun, but don't go back to an old level because you're not good enough for this one yet. You've created enough, you've learned enough, there's enough in your bag. There is somebody along your way to help you out and support you through this. And it's anybody that is willing to make eye contact with you. You don't have to understand each other. You don't have to figure each other out. I mean, even if you guys don't make eye contact and it's just like you pay with cash and somebody gives you coins back and they touch your hand, during COVID, I worked in a restaurant and this was this was bread and butter magic for me. Anytime we accidentally touched another person, my body was just electric because it, it felt bad to make eye contact with somebody. We were judging whether or not you had a mask on and it's like, oh, that's just too heavy with metaphors to unpack because we're all here able to do better and we all don't because we're worried that the other won't. Have faith in your fellow man and hope that he has faith in you. Find another human being and just make freaking eye contact for a second. When you see that kid being helped down the road, like you're gonna appreciate the effort that you put in, even if it was just sitting there. And if you approach that kid and save the day, you're gonna feel probably just as good about it. Because when I do good things, I don't 
reflect on it like, wow, that was awesome. I'm such a good person in such like so many ways. I just am a total rock star. This is a once in a lifetime moment for me to prove myself and everybody was looking and there was a whole crowd and now I'm finally a good person because eight people saw it. Mm -mm, Nope. But the memes and the content that we see blasted in our face all day, every day, like that's how people presume another thinks. And I just think, I just believe truly that we're smarter than that. I believe we can see it. Like when we read it and we're like, oh yeah, I definitely can think of a couple people who fit that. Instead, say, oh yeah, that's a possibility, but those are the old days. Like, we're on to bigger and better. Don't go read the comments. Go read something cooler. Unless you're intrigued by it. And you're like, why do people think that? What is that all about? That seems pretty cool because that's why I love social media. I'll look at everything and I'll click on anything and I love to try to figure out what the heck people are thinking or try to like really dig down to the statement at hand. There's this post that comes around every so often where there's a presentation of like, what is something that every broke person seems to have money for? And I'll jump in the comments on those for sure. It's always so interesting to see like concert tickets, cigarettes, movies, dining out every day, doing this, doing that. Anything that like seems to bring another person joy or happiness, like getting fake nails. And then there's other people commenting on it like, does it matter? Let everybody be as long as they're paying their bills, who cares? And then there's other people commenting on it like, I'll call myself out. Yep, I'm absolutely gonna spend my last dollar on a movie ticket if it means that I get to be happy for a couple hours and it seems unattainable elsewhere. Money's dumb, value's important. Connect with another person. Charge that connection. Get that reflection back on you. Let it slap you in the face. Let it blind you for a minute. It's okay. Just remember that it was not them. It was not you. It was the two of you doing something beautiful and that this is accessible. And that not only can you have this with the people in your lives, but with the things that you do. I have a job where I have to click buttons all day and push paperwork. I'm tired of working with my body. I chose this change so I could relax a little bit. And now that I'm not challenged in the same way that I was before, my mind actually has space to learn about things. And now I'm so excited that I have a job where I can still focus on the details and do what I'm supposed to do and listen to a bunch of cool podcasts and audiobooks throughout the day and learn a ton of stuff. So no, I can't tell you that my job brings me fulfillment and enjoyment and I would recommend this to anybody as far as the title goes and the pay rate goes and anything else pertaining to working for another. But I will tell you I love my job because my job lets me do what I love and that's why I'm here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Unravel with Allison. If you have any feedback, questions, want to chit chat or stay up to date on new releases, follow me on Instagram at Allison K. Steele. Let's keep in touch. Again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next episode.